being out of the pulpit for four weeks, I was really full last week, and I looked at the video afterwards. Uh, I don't remember why, because I don't like doing it. And I was talking really fast. So I will try to slow down, and uh, we'll take as long as we need to get to where God's taken us to. Sound good? All right, question for you. Have you ever been in a group of people and found yourself in the midst of an interaction with a couple? Like, like you're not interacting with them, but you're observing their interaction, and it's just a little too intimate for public? Like, maybe it's a fight, right? Like, you're like, um, you should do that later. Or maybe, uh, maybe it's a, an expression of affection. You know, like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, hey, Pookie Bear. You're like, Pookie Bear? Like, I didn't need to hear that. Or maybe it's sometimes even a little bit more, right? Like, they're just caught up in the moment, and, you know, your parents are making out, and you're like, I don't need to know that. It's just, or maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just an inside joke that they share, and like they, they kind of crack it and look at each other, and everybody else is like, okay, we don't know what that's all about, and you should probably just keep that to yourselves, because it's awkward, right? Like when those interactions happen, I don't know about you, but I'm like, where's the door? For me, it's all about boundaries and expectations, like what am I doing here watching this with you, and why don't you have good boundaries, because I have expectations. Now here's the truth, though, like as a pastor, I'm privileged to be part of very intimate conversations with people. I get to do premarital counseling and other types of counseling, and it's actually, it, it, within those boundaries, within that expectation, I don't mind being in a place where couples are experiencing fresh communication and intimacy and talking about issues. Like, that's a privilege, that's an honor to be uh, with that. I'm comfortable flowing with the Spirit. This is really good, I'm happy for that couple that God is building intimacy. But when I'm not in that role, I'm just like you. Get me away from this intimate, you know, whatever it is that's going on in front of me. This is just not cool. So what is intimacy? Because we're going to talk about it this morning, and I want to define it clearly so that we can understand what, what we're talking about here. Intimacy is this. Uh, it, it has to do with transparency, but intimacy is, like, uh, vulnerable enough to be hurt. Like, some people would define it this way, into me you see. It's transparent enough to be seen through, right? Intimacy requires that transparency and that vulnerability. And the, th the truth is this, there are some things that need to be seen. If we're going to be intimate or we're going to be in real relationship with people, with the Lord, there are some things that need to be seen, right? Do you ever meet those people that just, they don't let anybody in? There's nothing to see, you know, it's always, there's nothing to see here. But then there's also some parts of us <laughs> that are not for most others to see, but they're for, for the Lord to see, or for our very closest people to see. I want to talk about intimacy, because intimacy in, is a huge issue in our culture. In, in fact, like our, our culture and our society has all kinds of boundaries. I'm just going to move this up. And it keeps us from Intimacy. Like, we have, we have lost our neighborhoods, right? Sometimes I wonder if we would be better off if every porch was still a porch and we all lived in closer community and people could see into our lives a little bit more. I mean, like, we're, like I'm always trying to, you know, figure out if, if the neighbors can hear me yelling at the kids, right? right? Like, I wonder what they think about me because they're pretty quiet, you know? Um, but we don't have that type of neighborhood intimacy anymore where, where you know the people next door, you know the people down the street, and 
like you're comfortable hanging out with them. You know some of their stuff, and it's good. We, we have this rise of social media, which allows us to only present parts of ourselves that we're really proud of presenting. We're okay with other people seeing. Now, the, the truth is this. Some of us post way too much, right? And there's stuff that somebody posts, you're like, whoa, I, I, I saw that. But, but for the most part, it, it decreases intimacy. And we think we're seeing into people's lives. We're only seeing like a, a, a curated version of what's going on in their lives. And, and there's just isolation in all kinds of forms, especially like with the rise of corona, right? Everybody has been pushed into these places, forced into places where we, you, don't, you don't even get to sit six feet from your very best friends at church, right? Social interactions, like do you hug, do you shake hands? You gotta ask these types of things. And I get it, but, the, but here's, the, here's the, the effect. No matter how you're experiencing it or what you think about it, the effect is this. It's driving us away from intimacy with people. Now, hopefully, we have people in our lives that we live with that we can be intimate with. And maybe corona has pushed on that some too, right? Like we can't just engage with the outside world anymore. We gotta engage with the people we live with. And if, if we'll take this for what God's doing, it will increase intimacy with us. But overall, in our culture, in the times that we live in, there's this push away from intimacy, and there's a lack of intimacy that we've literally been created for. God has created us for intimacy with him, and God has created us for intimacy with other human beings right from the very get-go. We were created to walk in the garden with him, to see him for who he is, to walk literally naked with him and not have any shame. We were created to, to for a husband to leave his wife, like when there were only one man and one woman, God's still saying, someday, after you procreate and fill the earth like I've called you to do it, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one. There will be an intimacy. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. Let me ask, let me say this. If you are weary of the isolation, if it feels like your relationships are maybe more shallow than they should be, if you feel like no one understands what's, what you're going through and you can't be real with people, or if you're just kind of tired of making relationships happen with other people. I want you to listen to this invitation. This is from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. This is a key verse for what God is doing in our lives. This is a key verse for this church. It's a key verse for Jesus. He said this, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that applies to all different kinds of things but specifically relationships and intimacy. If that feels like a burden to you right now, Jesus is inviting you to come to him, to be with him, to learn from him and to have those, that lightness and that rest and that ease become part of your daily walk. Sound good? Now here's the, here's the context of that verse. The context of that invitation, if you look at verses 25 and 26, Jesus is saying, God, I'm glad, Father, I'm glad that you are hiding this from those who think themselves wide and wise and clever, and you're revealing it to the childlike. This is a, this is, the context is revelation. We talked last week about the need, if we're gonna walk with God, to see. And he's saying, God, I'm so glad that you're allowing people who are not thinking of themselves wise, but who are humble to see this. And it's also in the context of, context of intimacy. Look at verse 27, if you have your Bibles open, Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father 
except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus has brought you into this place, into relationship with him, so that he can reveal the Father to you, so that you can be intimate with him and intimate with the Father. So let's, in this series that we're doing called Divine Invitation, let's check the initial invitation. In verse, uh, chapter one of John, verses 35 through 39, we have this invitation, and we saw last week in verse 39 that Jesus invited the disciples first to come and see. Like, why don't you just come and see what's going on? Verse 39, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. If you look at the next verses, we'll see the second invitation of this divine invitation, this interaction as Jesus is calling his disciples. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon, he was following the invitation to come and see, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew, and Peter's hometown. This is the second invitation. The invitation that God is calling us to in this time is to follow him. We're going to talk about that call because it's really a call to, to, to relationship and to intimacy. So I want to look at the progression of intimacy this morning that Jesus gave to his disciples and that Jesus gives to us so that we can walk in what I believe is the time of the greatest intimacy that we've ever known personally, the greatest intimacy that we've ever known with him as a families, as a church, in a region, and even for the church worldwide. I believe that this message is a message that he's been speaking for 2,000 years, but there's times when he's calling us back to him. And if we'll see him for who he is, right, we'll anchor our hearts in the reality of heaven, that's where we started last week. Then the second invitation is this, it's to be with him. So the first invitation is to, to come and to, to see. Last week we talked about having a fast for social media for two weeks. I, I wanna encourage you, continue with me. And if you didn't start it last week, it's not too late, do two weeks from social media, media, or even, even relationships. Whatever's causing you to have voices and sight that's not from the Lord, just put some boundaries on those for two weeks and let's see God for who he is. In fact, John chapter five, the, the first progression of intimacy is what we talked about last week. John chapter five, verses 37 through 40 says this. And the father who has sent me has testified about me himself. You've never heard his voice nor seen him face to face and you do not have his message in your hearts. This is not Jesus talking to us. This is Jesus talking to religious people. Because you do not believe me, the one who sent you. The one, sorry, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me and to receive this life. In other words, here's, here's, here's the real kicker. We can think that we know God because we know the scripture. We can think that we've been intimate with God because we have an understanding of scripture that is powerful, that is true, that is revelatory. We can even search the scriptures so that we know God. And all of those things are good. We should know the word, right? Because it defines who God is. But here's the thing. If we don't come through the lens of Jesus and what God has done for us, we will miss who God is. 
And we cannot come to the scripture alone. We must come to Jesus Christ, the living, resurrected Savior. The one who promised his presence to us. If we are going to be intimate with God, we must come through Jesus. So come to me as part of that. But we also left off last week on we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We could see all the scriptures very accurately, but if we don't apply faith to them, we'll miss it. And here's where faith comes in. The, prog- the second part of, in the progression of intimacy is to follow Jesus. Intimacy comes when we walk with him. Oftentimes when we talk about relationship with God, we talk about that moment that we gave our hearts to Jesus, is some of the language that we use, or we surrendered our lives to him, or we responded to the invitation. And that's so important that we do that, right? Because in that moment, we see him for who he is. We see ourselves in our, in our sin nature. We see the need for a savior, and we respond to that. But the call does not happen or end when we see him well and respond to that. The call is to walk with him, to follow him, to go where he goes. And if we're gonna respond to this divine call to intimacy, we must be willing to go where he is. We cannot say, yes, Jesus, I've responded, and I'm good to go. Because here's the thing. Lots of people came to Jesus and saw him. Multitudes, in fact. But there were only a few that responded to the call to walk with him wherever he went. And that was a somewhat limited call when Jesus walked the earth. But it's not a limited call now. We're going to see that Jesus didn't just pray for his disciples, but he prayed for you and for me. Each one of us has been called. Each one of us has been given the invitation to walk with him. John 6, 37 says, However, those the Father has given to me will come to me and I will never reject them. God is not in the position of rejecting you. Don't say, well, that's for, that's for you, pastor, or that's for leaders in the church, or that's for you know, the crazy people that really, really like religion. God will not reject you. If, you, if you're here this morning, you're receiving the call. And if you come to him, he will not reject you. Verse 44 and 45 of chapter six, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And the last day I will raise them up. It is, it is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. This is a, not an exclusive invitation, it's an invitation to everyone. And what's really powerful about this is everyone who is willing to listen can come. And it's a prophetic fulfillment. Jesus said, as the scriptures say, everyone who listens, sorry, as is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. That's a prophetic fulfillment of several scriptures, some in Isaiah, but specifically Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, before Jesus came hundreds of years, Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, is Jeremiah is watching, the prophet is watching the people of God live out the destruction they've invited into their lives by not walking with God. Here's what he says. He's recording what God says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their lives, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. The invitation is to walk with him so that he can reveal himself fully to us. 
It's an invitation that by the Spirit of God, by the prophetic decree of God, it's the plan of God that we wouldn't just have a relationship with Scripture, that we wouldn't have to teach one another what it means to know God, that we would know God because of what God has done for us. It's an invitation to intimacy for every single one of us. And it's a prophetic fulfillment. What Jesus is doing in, our, in his lifetime, in our, our lifetime, is a prophetic fulfillment of that. And it gives us the invitation to the second part. If we will walk wherever he goes, we have an invitation, or sorry, to the third part, and the invitation is to come and be. To come and be. John chapter 17, we have a recording of Jesus at the Last Supper. He's meeting with his disciples, and pre- pretty much from like, I think it's chapter 14 on, he's we have this record of this kind of last interaction that he has with his disciples. And it's worth reading the end of John if you want to see what intimacy looks like. This is the, these are the men that he has walked with for three years of public ministry who have been with him all the time. And it, it's kind of like the culmination. Like, you've watched me, you've seen me, we've talked about these things. But I, just, I want to like not just give you like a reminder of what we talked about. I want to give you a reminder of myself. This is where he washes their feet. This is where they celebrate communion together. This is where he redefines reality for them. And this is where he promises the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of that, he, this is what he says. In chapter 17, starting in verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but all for, for all those who will ever believe in me through my message, through their message. Listen, I, will pray that they, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I've revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. This is Jesus defining what intimacy looked like, and here's what you need to know from the scripture. First is that Jesus interceded and currently intercedes for your intimacy. It's so important to him that when he was leaving, he didn't just pray for his disciples, he prayed for you and me. He said, for everyone who will believe in me through their message. He's praying that you and I would come alongside the ones who have followed Jesus for three years and we would experience that intimacy that was the goal that Jesus had for his disciples. Jesus is the standard of intimacy. You you and I are not intimate enough with God until we experience the type of intimacy that Jesus had. And some of us are like, well, he was Jesus. Right? I can't, I can't do that. The truth is, by the Holy Spirit, you can. Well, what separates us? Sin? Well, sin is already dealt with. Once and for all, Hebrews says. So that nothing stands in the way of us coming to Christ. Coming to the Father. Coming into the very throne room of grace. There is nothing that stands in the way that hasn't been dealt with by Jesus. He's the standard of intimacy. And this intimacy is evidence to the world that Jesus is with us and that he's real. So it's not like we get to walk around saying, well, I'm a believer, but that intimacy thing is a little bit different. No, this is Jesus' plan to make sure that the world knows that he is who he says he is, to live intimately with us and in us. And ultimately, what does it do? It results in unity among the body. 
If we are not unified, then we're not experiencing the intimacy with God that he's called us to. There's lots of people that believe all kinds of things about what God is saying right now. And they're different, which means somebody's not hearing from the Lord. Don't have to be unanimous, right? There's different shades and aspects of what he says, but they should all be moving us towards Jesus and moving us honestly towards one another. And so the things that we hear that break off unity, that break off relationship, that break off intimacy, either with the Lord or with others, are not from the Lord. Because intimacy with Jesus involves other disciples. You and I cannot be intimate with Jesus by ourselves alone in our prayer closet and that be enough. It requires each other. God has put you in a, in a church, in a body, in a family of choice, into his church so that he can produce intimacy with him and that intimacy with him requires other people to get it right. If you ever heard something from the Lord, had a, maybe a, a quiet time with him that just amazing revelation and you walk out and hit reality with your family or your spouse or your boss or your, even your brother and sister in Christ, why? Because God wants to work those things in us out in such a way that all of us get to experience his intimacy. And intimacy and God's glory are intricately linked. We're going to talk about God's glory next week. We're going to talk about the strength of that and the power that comes with intimacy with him. But just know this. That when we're talking about intimacy, we're talking about some crazy power. We're talking about some crazy glory. We're talking about the glory that God has revealed, Jesus revealed to his disciples, but also glory that's going to be revealed. Jesus said, I want you to be with me. I want these disciples to be with me where I am so that they can see your glory in its fullness. Because the, 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 the last step in the progression of intimacy is coming home. Jesus prayed in or said in John 14, verse three, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. Jesus is coming again for a church. He's coming again for you. And if that's a scary thought for you, then there's some more intimacy that he wants to produce in our lives. I was riding in the car yesterday with uh, my daughter and my niece. And my niece offered to my daughter, she said, do you want me to tell you the story of how Satan came to be? And like Lori and I were talking to me, I just said, like, hold on, we need to hear this. And she told a really brief, you know, very biblically accurate account of how Satan came to be. And she ended it with, and Satan's really small, so if we ever see him in our room, we can just stomp on him and he's gone. <laughs> to which my daughter replied, that's a very small story. And, she, and my niece replied, well, it's also a true story. It's not fake. And I was like, come on, girl, preach it. Why was I sharing that with you? I had a point. Oh, my goodness. I lost it. It was a really good point. Man. Well, that was a good story, right? Yeah, coming home somewhere. I don't remember. Man, I'm going to have to think about that between services. 
Sorry, if you run to hear it, maybe I'll have it at the 10 o'clock. You're welcome to come. We've increased the capacity limits. But this intimacy fully culminates when he returns to take us home. There's a, there's a level of intimacy that we can have with the Lord right now that's powerful that he's calling us to, that's necessary for what he wants. It's, it's, his, it's his will for our lives. But there is coming a day when he will reveal himself in full glory by coming to bring us home to him. And we'll be transformed. And scripture says we see dimly now, but then we'll see him face to face. And the sin that we've dealt with is, is no longer, like the effects of it in our lives is no longer. He's already dealt with it. He, he's bringing that reality into our lives right now. But it's like, it's like this is it. Like here you are in glory, living with him the way we've been called to live and created to live. New resurrected bodies. With our loved ones. Seeing him for who he is and worshiping him face to face, intimate in every way. He's coming again in glory to fully reveal his glory so that we can be fully intimate with him. That's his purpose for you and I in the earth. This scene in John 17, I said, takes place during the Last Supper, and we're going to celebrate communion this morning. So if you don't have your elements, would you just like raise your hands and Usher will bring you some if you don't have those. And I think sometimes in the evangelical church or the charismatic church, we make this really about intimacy and maybe in other faiths it's more about the right process. But I don't think we have anything right to hold up and be proud of. I think Every time we come to this, we should remember. Like, this is the opportunity to like, take all the other stuff and wipe it away and said, Jesus did this for us. This is how he established that new covenant of intimacy. This is the reason why you and I are here, talking about the living God. This is the reason why you and I are part of the family of God, because of what Jesus did when he paid the price to cancel the debt that we had, to pay the debt and cancel it of sin on our lives so that we could be with him. To make us righteous and holy. So scripture says that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. He, he was broken for our iniquities, for our transgressions. He gave himself so that nothing would stand in the way of our intimacy. And it, scripture says after supper he took the cup and he said this cup represents a new covenant established in my blood. This is the new covenant that he's writing on our hearts that was prophesied about. A new covenant that wasn't just about a promise or just about a prophetic vision, but literally fulfilled by his blood, representing his blood, established in his blood, price paid. To deal with our sin, to wash us, to set us free, to make us his family. So God, we thank you for, Jesus, we thank you for your body, which you willingly gave that was broken. We thank you for your blood 
that was shed so that we could be intimate with you, so that we could be in relationship with you. We remember what you did, not because it's worth doing or even remembering, but because it has real effects today for us to walk with each other, but most importantly with you in intimacy. We come together as a body to remember and to declare that you are coming again to fulfill your promise and to bring us into the greatest intimacy that we've ever known. So Lord, as we remember, prepare our hearts for that intimacy by giving it to us now, by reminding us, by walking us into it now as we celebrate and remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name, let's eat and drink together. If you would stand, I want to pray over you as we get ready to dismiss. Just by way of announcement again, uh, small groups are starting this week. If you have not gotten a hold of somebody to be part of a small group, intimacy is built in those places, so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, They're they're on our website. They're on our app. If you need help getting connected, just let us know. Uh, Also, uh, because of the limits uh, that we have in New York State and the changing of